Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome, everybody. I'm here today with Bernadette Torres. She's a grandma herbalist, a teacher, a health facilitator, director of Shabetta Sherry Garden. She began her journey with plant knowledge and uses for supporting health as a child in the small mountain community of Black Lake in Taos, New Mexico, where her father introduced her to her first plant allies. Between 2004 and 2010, as a manager and herbalist, she worked in health food stores, learning the valuable connection between health and food. Recognizing the nutritional value in many plants, she became passionate about learning all she could from many master herbalists, curanderos, and healers from all over the world. Every summer, she leads private and public plant identification hikes for several groups, including the Integrative Medical Students at University of New Mexico. In 2009, she began teaching at the New Mexico School of Natural Therapeutics, the only national recognized massage school that offers an herbal program. Since 2006, her journey brought her to study the indigenous Ashaninka healing techniques from the central jungle of Peru with her partner, Ashaninka Mino. Together, they run an outdoor garden school where they can demonstrate the plant life from seed to fruit. They also work together doing limpias, which are cleansing ceremonies, and sacred tobacco ceremonies for individuals, groups, and homes. At this point in her life, she is primed to share this wealth of knowledge as a teacher and herbal consultant, offering unique apprenticeship programs here to help students gain confidence by developing their own intuitive sense in the use of plant wisdom. And let me also say, I personally know Bernadette as an amazing herbalist and a masterful teacher, even though she will not describe herself as a master. So today, uh, Bernadette is going to be sharing with us a little bit about her personal story and some lessons that she learned along the way that will be of value and of use to us as listeners. So here's Bernadette Torres. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that introduction. Um, so really, I had a most amazing childhood. Uh, I, I, you know, there's always the other stories that weaved in there, but I have to tell you that as a child, I focused in on the beauty that I was exposed to, and that was in Black Lake. It was actually Black Lake, uh, which is in the Ta in Taos Mountains in northern New Mexico, and then my mother was from Mora, so it's another mountainous area in northern New Mexico. And so we spent all of our childhood uh, whenever we didn't have to be in school because my parents brought us up, you know, in the city in Albuquerque. They wanted us to get a really strong uh, education. But my focus as a child was my freedom that I had being in Black Lake and Taos Mountains or in Mora. And um, I was, my dad was really, because he was raised in Black Lake, my mom both were, you know, they were raised as ranchers. They they hunted their own food. They grew their own food. And so we walked those mountains. We And we have the freedom to 
sometimes they'd see us miles away from home. We were wild children. And this was forever. Like we'd be in diapers running around all of, uh, all of the mountains, you know, with other, with the other kids. But, um, so we had access and we had the freedom. And one of the most beautiful things about that I really appreciate about my father, Filimon A. Torres, he would, um, he would pick up, you know, like horny toads, even spiders and snakes, and he would hand them to us. He would place them into our hands and he would, sh first he'd show us them into our hands. We'd be like, ooey, ooey. And then he would, um, he would place them in his hand and he'd say, look, there, it's okay. As long as you don't, you know, don't come, uh, uh, threatening to them, they're not going to bite you. They're not going to hurt you. And so he'd show us how to hold these horny toads, snakes, spiders. And to this day, I will pick up a spider. I will, I, I freak my kids out because I will pick up cockroaches. You know, I go, I'm not going to kill it. And I'll pick it up and throw it outside or spiders. And, uh, and I do the same thing with my grandchildren. I, I pick up and I did with my the adult children, but they're going through, you know, their, their phase where it, it's bothered, you know, eh, too many spiders. But that was, I think that was one of the most beautiful things, at least for me, for my perspective and, and my personality, I was able to be immersed in that world of nature. And even when we came into the city and we had to go to the school, I was drawn to being in the garden in the backyard or the front yard, being around the trees, being around the grass. And I, where other children were in the house watching programs. I don't even remember. Kung Fu probably was the movie at the time. I watched some of it, but I would get really bored and I'd want to go outside and climb trees. And I'd spend a lot of time in the trees. And, um, and it was my escape. You know, my, my dad, very generous, loving, uh, charismatic man everybody who met him loved him he was a counselor at, at one of the um uh one of the schools in in a, a needier place in albuquerque he was people loved him we drive around places and they say mr torres mr torres and they'd say i knew you when i was you know going to school so he really loved and people just randomly we lived in a normal neighborhood people would knock on our door and say we're lost we don't have any food. We don't have any gas. It, we didn't even have to go to street corners. They would come to our house. And my dad would make boxes of food for them. He would take care of people. Um, now, one of the issues, you know, because all of us grew up with some kind of issue that we have to overcome. Well, my dad was a functioning alcoholic. And, um, you know, so that created a lot of turmoil and arguments with him and my mom. And so we grew up not knowing if our family was going to stay together and and we were scared you know that mom and dad would break up and and they were fighting and 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 so my way that i survived what i did was go outside and i would spend time in those places that i learned how to be comfortable and none of that when i was growing up anytime we were in mora or in black lake they were always in harmony with one another. Maybe they'd go somewhere else to argue with each other, but when they were in nature, they also were in harmony. There was so much peace in those places that I, I recognized that as where I would uh, find the most healing. As a child, I knew this, or you know, I, I, it, was, it was modeled for me. I saw it with them. And so um, when I started my own separate, uh, 
living when I moved out of my parents' house and I grew up and, and was doing my own thing. And especially when I got married and had kids, I started to pass on uh, that connection to nature. So I would take my kids up into the Sandias and we would spend all day in the Sandias. And uh, when we, um, when we, when my kids finally start going to school and the teachers would report to me that, you know, maybe one of my children had a learning disability and they wanted me to have them test it for, um, you know, one of these things that was going around at the time, like maybe it was ADD or, or um, bipolar, or, you know, they were saying your child had some problem. And instead of, to me, I felt like it was important to not give my child a label. And so instead I took them out of school and I decided to homeschool them. And, and of course, you know, I, I, I didn't really have a program set up before I took them out. So when I took them out, I just, I decided that they could learn um, from nature. I studied everything about unschooling, you know, how it, how people had survived, how they had um, done unschooling and how these kids would grow up with really unique abilities to, to solve problems themselves. And so I decided I would unschool my children. And that that was a learning process for myself because it helped me to unwind all of the teachings that were basically um, embedded in me as a child going to school. So everything that I had learned was the way things were supposed to be done. They were all in a certain category and we followed that pattern. And as long as we followed that, life would be perfect and beautiful. Well, um, during the unschooling, it was also a programming for myself. I learned how to take, you know, get rid of all of that, that structure in my head that told me this is important. This is important. And, and during that time, um, I was a little apprehensive to share what I was doing, especially with the plants growing the, in the garden and, and working with um, herbal remedies. And I did work a lot with homeopathic remedies in the very beginning because I didn't really know how it would affect little ones. And so I, I knew homeopathic, you know, who's ever overdosed on a homeopathic or, I mean, there could be like negative reactions, like you could break out with rashes or, you know, have some kind of emotional um, disturbance, but otherwise, you know, it's, they're pretty safe, you know, and, and most people say there's nothing in them, they're sugar pills, but energetically wise, they carry medicine in them. And I saw them work with my children. And so the, the homeopathic stuff that I was studying and working with my kids, I started to grow those plants in my garden so I can make teas and, and learn how to use them with the children. And it was mostly self-taught. In the very beginning, it was mostly self-taught, but I would have conversations with my dad and I'd say, dad, did you or grandma or did any of my aunties ever use this as medicine? And, and he would say yes. And so, or he'd say no, but this is what they did. And one of them, for example, one of the, one of the greatest lessons that I got from my dad and, and, and really empowering for my dad was he told me my kids ended up with pink eye. And so I was trying to make them creams and chamomile tea, which was irritating them. And at the time I had a little one and I was nursing, I was breastfeeding my kids. And he said, my, my grandma used to just squirt the breast milk in their eyes. And that's how they, um, he said, that's how we healed pink eye. And so I said, well, I'm going to try that. And sure enough, the pink eye was cleared up 
and um and then of course everybody in the neighborhood all the homeschoolers ended up with pink eye because they'd been hanging around with us so and none of them were breastfeeding so can i bring my kid over and so everybody started bringing their kids over i was like the cow you know <laughs> a squirty breast milk in their eye and then one of the moms tells me she goes well you know my husband ended up going, i'm sorry i ain't i'm doing him <laughs> i draw the line little kids okay no no husbands and then um so, you know, I got a lot of really good support from my parents. They were really impressed with what I was doing. My mother's medicine was really, um, you know, in the kitchen. My mom canned everything. She baked bread for us. She uh, would take everything my dad brought in from the garden. Or if he brought meat, she would uh, process it so that we could live off of it for a really long time. And um, so that was one of the things that later on after i had learned to work with the plants medicinally i started to incorporate into food you know making it you know like i start to recognize if you just take little doses of it and you have a chronic illness you're really not going to see um positive effects unless you're doing it like you do food you know that's what destroys most of us anyways the food we pour into our bodies or the drinks the coffee, the whatever, the liquor that we're putting into our bodies, that's what we do the most of. And so what I had to learn how to do was to incorporate all of that plant medicine into how do we take it like we do our food. So um, that was the part where my parents started to, you know, where I started to teach them it, it well, they were aging, you know, I'd come to them and I go, mom, you have this inflammation in your arm. Let's find a way to reduce that. Let's, let's show you how to use turmeric. Let's show you how to use ginger to reduce that inflammation in your body. So, uh, and then they would give me feedback how it was, how it was working with them. So um, I was a over to able to see, you know, there's the dysfunction as I was growing up, the dysfunction in my family was alcoholism and alcoholism created other negative impacts on us you know like people didn't have um strong boundaries you know and there was a uh we did deal with um oh sexual abuse you know and and now this is a, this is not an easy one to talk about and it was a family member and uh so it created a breakup in the family people who didn't want to talk about it and people who said that was that did that really happen you know and it became a big um heartbreak really and um and it was because of the alcoholism because if your parents are drinking they're not seeing what's going on with you know cousins relatives uncles people around you who are have um behavior that is unacceptable or that should not be uh you know they should not be around innocent people and so when 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 that happened to me i was 13 years old and um, I, I did tell my parents when I was older, but I didn't tell them when I was 13. The way that I dealt with it was I told myself, I'm not going to let this be something that makes me crazy. I don't, you know, I don't want this to be the focus of my life. And so it was the time that I really turned to my, my trees and my plant medicine. And I started to draw or write poetry. And so that's how I worked through that part of, um, but, and I always knew that I would, um work to help other people to overcome this and so when my girlfriend starts coming to me and when, when they're teenagers and tell me 
somebody did this to me. And, you know, I would, I would sit with them and I talk to them and I would um, tell them, you don't, we're not going to let you, you're not a bad person. This wasn't you, this was them. And so I already start doing talk therapy, even though, you know, I don't call myself a therapist and I don't even want to be considered a therapist. And I don't want people to come in and, um, I don't want that to be their focus. Like, let's not just spend so much time talking about this because the more we talk about it, the more it aggravates us, the more it makes us angry or feel powerless or um, saddens us. And then we start to blame, oh, it was because they weren't there, you know, and, and then we create hate. And the hate isn't really for them. It's really about ourselves. We start to feel like we're not worthy to walk in this world. And so being able to recognize that pattern for myself, I was able to um, create programs when I was teaching herbal plants. I decided to weave in most people who are sitting here learning about plants. They need something that gives them a sense of power to be able to, um, to feel good about themselves and to overcome whatever is holding them back, whatever is making them feel insecure. And so that's, those are some of the programs that I've created throughout this. One of them was the chakra herb class, which I will be doing uh, again, uh, end of May. And then the other program that I developed was the medicine wheel. And it's just showing how we go into, how we come into this world. What are the obstacles that cause us to feel insecure and powerless? And then what are the tools that we can access to help draw us away from that so that we it's not that we're going to ignore it and we're going to act like it never happened and that it could never happen again. What we're doing is we're finding what empowers us so that we can create the structures and the boundaries so that we cannot be, we don't allow it to come in um, passively or, um, or ever again, you know, like we're never confronted with that issue again, or if we are, we have the tools to say, no, you have no right to do this to me. And then if it does happen, how do we heal ourselves? What are the tools that we have for um, healing our heart, our minds and our bodies and our spirit? So that, um, you know, I always give, I have a really good relationship with my mother. My mother's going to turn 90 next week or in the next couple of days, the 23rd is my mother's birthday and she'll turn 90 and she, her mind is fully functioning. She still walks. She walks with a cane, but very strong woman. And my dad passed away Cinco de Mayo. He passed away um, four years ago, uh, 2016. And um, and I still have a good relationship with him. You know, like I, I'll still, when I'm out in the plant world, you know, like there's the olive tree that's growing in my front yard, a New Mexican olive. And every time I look at that, I think of my dad because that was he's the one that taught me how to plant trees. Yeah. So I have this... Um, I've turned it back around, you know, like what I grew up with that hurt me, made me feel insecure, made me not want to speak out. Um, I was able to turn it around, use the plants as my I connect with nature. And then, um, and now the relationship that I have with my parents is caring, you know, now I can give back to them and really embrace that, you know, th that was the best skills they had. And they dealt with life the way somebody gave to them. And, and now we've resurrected something that came from our ancestors that can help all of us in, in a different way. So a quick question before we yes. wrap up this first part of yes. our sessions together. Um, and that is, 
you know, we we're talking about healing here, and a lot of the a lot of the interviews that I'll be doing with people are going to look at different facets of healing. Mm-hmm. And my question for you that will really be unique to you mm-hmm. is what part do the plants themselves play in this? I mean, it, it's easy to say I go out into nature in order for nature to heal me, mm-hmm. but you are so connected to the plants themselves, right. medicinal and herbal plants. What part did they play in this healing process? Oh, I think you know what i what i felt really it is the it's the spirit of just coming into a place where you feel peace surrounding you and and it is an instant you know it's not like you go up to a tree and you hug it and and oh yeah everything that was bothering me dissipated and is gone you don't i mean maybe some people do feel it instantly it's not always instant for everybody most of the time you're thinking oh my god i'm a weirdo i've just turned into a hippie you know hug hug tree hugging hippie you know and and is anybody looking you know you get embarrassed but there's such qualities that come from that process one of them not just the tree hugging, it's like laying your, your body, like your belly next to the earth or putting your feet into the earth. There's a sensation of energy that draws um, whatever's inside of you, creating a slowing down so that you just, all of a sudden you're just, um, you feel free of all the pressures in your mind, but you have to be committed to it. There's always this, like, if you're going to do this, you have to be committed to it. You have to say, I'm going to give myself time to sit here and be with this other being and recognize it as a being. You can't just go up there and go, it's just a tree. It's a dumb tree, a dumb, stupid tree that doesn't talk back to me and doesn't know how important I am or special I am. You have to sit there with it, giving to it, saying, I'm going to commit to a relationship to to understanding you, to feeling your energy. And I don't need to understand your language. I just need to sit with you. And so I believe that it was the commitment, you know, just allowing yourself to lay there, allow yourself to look up into the sky and see the clouds, you know, and, and allow yourself to become part of this. Um, so that is really just, it's your saying to yourself, I'm making a commitment to healing what has been bothering me this whole time. And, and my commitment is to allow myself to allow nature to, to speak to me in any way that it's going to. That is such helpful advice. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so before we close our first episode together, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Um, they can go onto my website. It's www.shabeta.com. Shabeta is in the Ashenika language. It means butterfly. And, you know, the butterfly is our, is our symbol of transformation. Yeah. And I know we'll hear more about that later. Yeah. Anyway, everybody, please uh, tune in next time where we're going to hear a lot more wisdom, a lot more practical advice from Bernadette Torres. Bernadette, thank you. Thank you, Bob. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.